Hi everyone, this is your host Harmit, and you're listening to Tobin Talks. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Tobin Talks today. I'm your host Harmit, and today we have a really exciting episode. We'll start off by interviewing U of M alum Tara Williamson about their animated short featured on CBC Gem. Then we'll speak with UMSU Vice President Advocacy and MAPS Chair Victoria Romero about her thoughts on the recent change in Manitoba's Minister of Advanced Education and Training. Lastly, we'll speak with the new minister herself about her thoughts coming into the role. First up, let's go over to arts reporter Damien interviewing Tara Williamson about their animated short, Heart Like a Powwow, that explores loss. My name is Tara Williamson. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. I have several occupations. Um, one of them, I'm currently at my office at UVic, where I'm the co-research director of the Indigenous Law Research Unit. Wow. Um, but this interview does not really pertain to that. So I'm also the writer and composer of the um, short film Heart Like a Powwow from Chris Couture's series, um, How to Lose Everything. Okay. I wanted to just kind of like talk about Heart Like a Powwow for a minute. Like how... Did it come to be? I know that this is an adaptation of like a previously created work, and I just kind of wanted to hear you talk about it. Yeah, so Krista had approached me about participating in this project and, you know, was looking for grief, <laughs> grief things, uh, writing. And so um, I, I have tons of grief writing. So my um, son passed away in 20. 16 when he was six months and one week old and so since then and Krista was very much we were already in each other's lives at that point so she had also sort of been through some of that with me and so she you know she knew my story and knew that I probably like I had my whole last album was a grief album I was like you want grief writing I got grief writing but yeah but I also didn't I was at a point when she approached me that I was like you know I'm starting to think more about love just that that you know grief is the shadow of, of love and and so I sort of tur- I th- I thought about what I could represent that was either something I was trying to think of something new but then I thought about all this poetry I'd written when I was pregnant and I thought oh maybe that would be really cool to go back to and look at and think about through you know in hindsight right and through the yeah. filter of 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 grief as love and and because she's so great she was like yeah absolutely let's do that like the the freedom to do that was really, it, it, I knew I could ask and I knew I'd be able to do it. And so that's how it started. Yeah, no, um, I'm so sorry for your loss, by the way. And during this interview, I kind of wanted to, I wasn't sure how to ask this question, but I wanted to maybe talk a little bit about like what it means to be an Indigenous artist. So when I saw that you and Lady Bird or together on this, I was like, oh, these are two Indigenous artists who are producing, like, their own work in, like, a society that maybe doesn't always favor Indigenous artists? Yeah, no, I, you have good questions. The thing is, is that I, it reminds me to not take it for granted, I guess, because I think, like, I've had the real privilege and joy of working with Indigenous artists. Like, I'm, like, Krista was one of my music mentors as well. When I started playing wow. music professionally, she was one of the people I would call and be like, 
how do I book a tour? How do I book a show? Um, and so I've been really, really lucky to have been mentored and taken in by lots of Indigenous artists over the years and working. And I almost all my projects I try to work with as, you know, just as many Indigenous artists as I can on at, at every point of the of the work. And so um, so I guess maybe my I just have this biased view of I'm, I'm like, I don't care if other people don't care. <laughs> Or don't like it. Like we do when we see it. Although I do also think there has been a real shift in, I, I think the, um, Canada's 150th birthday. Ugh. Um, when that happened, yeah. there's all this arts money for Indigenous artists. And I remember that year's thinking, oh, well, that, let's see what happens next year. Like everyone's programming right now and doing whatever, but we'll see if this lasts. But it has actually. And I think like, I think a real, I mean, I, 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 there's all kinds of things that have led to that shift, but I think there's a lot more space for Indigenous art in the mainstream. Certainly, otherwise, even when I started out, like like nine or ten years ago, kind of deal, um, or longer. I don't know how long it's been. Anyway, and so, so yes, thank you for reminding me that yeah, it's what a privilege and and a joy, and it's, it's exciting to be part of this group of people and group of Indigenous artists having the space to do this. And I guess maybe I've sort of just had the luxury of taking for granted. You're a U of M graduate, right? I sure am. What year did you graduate? Christ, I don't remember. Uh, two, oh. Actually, my, my, my degree is on the wall. Just a minute. 2006. <laughs> okay, cool. Are you a Winnipeg? So I, I sort of am. I'm like a, I grew up in Swan Lake, in Gabashikikamon, in Swan Lake, Manitoba. And it's down south in Treaty 1, close to the border. Um, my, I'm a member of Opasquak in Treaty 5, up by the Paw. Um, and I have family in Beardies, Okamasas in Treaty 6. So I grew up in Swan Lake until I was like, I moved, um, I did my, I did grade 12 in Winnipeg. I went to Massey and then I moved to Montreal and then I moved around a bunch and then I came back to Winnipeg to do, so I have a Bachelor of Social Work. I have a BSW from U of M. Oh wow. I was also, I used to, I, I just put back in the archives. I'm sure there's some articles I've written for the Manitoban and I was the inaugural, um, Aboriginal student reps at on Umsu, actually. Um, really? You were in yeah. the Manitoban? I would like as not as a not as a staff writer, just as like I would do op eds and stuff. Oh, that is incredible. I'll have you to go back. Totally, yeah, you can totally. I mean, I'm not saying they're good, Damien, but I'm saying that somewhere. <laughs> in my file. I mean, sometimes mine are not good either. <laughs> what do you hope that people feel or react or think about when they see what they are? It's already been out. It's been out for a while, but mm-hmm. this article could gain new, you know, new views. Yeah. What do you hope that people are getting from it or like feeling from it or seeing from heart, just heart like a powwow? I mean, I think, I think feeling anything is a good start. And then I think, (laughs) um, it's so funny that I didn't anticipate, like it didn't occur to me that like how much, like it's a, so it's actually two pieces put together and heart like a powwow is the really the second half of the piece. And even though the whole thing is about a powwow and, and about, being at a powwow, and I love powwows, I for some reason didn't really, like, think about what that would look like. Like, and so I think that I hope people see, like, the beauty of powwow culture, like, the beauty yeah. of, like, you know, like, and, and really sort of listen to what it means to, like, have, like, people have roles and responsibilities, and it's family, and people take care of each other, and it happens to look fucking beautiful with yeah. art, you know, so, and it looks, it looks that beautiful in person, too, so I, I guess maybe that a little bit.
Next up, let's listen to Editor-in-Chief Jillian speaking with UMSU Vice President Advocacy and Manitoba Alliance of Post-Secondary Students Chair Victoria Romero about the change in Minister of Advanced Education and Training. So, what's the relationship between your role uh, on MAPS and on UMSU and the Minister? UMSU and MAPS work closely to advocate to and work collaboratively with the Minister of Advanced Education as they're in charge of overseeing the publicly funded post-secondary institutions in the province, which MAPS works to represent and UMSU is a member of, being the University of Manitoba. So they're the main contact point for post-secondary student advocacy to government. Uh, when we talk about things such as the provincial operating grant given to post-secondary institutions for their funding, that's something that comes directly from the Ministry of Advanced Education when we are speaking about different issues of performance-based funding, open educational resources, all that falls into the portfolio of the Ministry of Advanced Education. So they are kind of our direct point for our advocacy work to the provincial government. Um, so do you have any like thoughts or feelings about the cabinet shuffle, the change of ministers? Yeah, uh, it will be really interesting to see how involved the new minister will be in outreach to educational institutions, particularly to the University of Manitoba as its Fort Gary campus is located within her riding. So the new Minister of Advanced Education and Training is the Honorable Sarah Gilmore, and she's the MLA for Fort Richmond. So University of Manitoba students, specifically those living in on-campus residences, have the unique circumstance of being constituents of the minister's writing and portfolio. So I think that would be really interesting to see the involvement there, particularly for uh, on the UNSU side. But for MAPS uh, and for all of our advocacy in general, we're very hopeful to see more engagement from the minister, particularly on the topic of student mental health. Honorable Minister Gimard was the former minister for mental health, community wellness, and addiction. And we're hoping that Minister Gimard will have a deep understanding of this common but complex concern of student mental health and the mental health crisis that is uh, occurring all over the country right now. So, um, just noting, however, uh, that the five-year provincial health plan uh, for mental health called Pathway to Mental Health and Community Wellness, a roadmap for Manitoba, did not include any mention of post-secondary students at all within the document. And this was something that was created while Minister Gimard was the Minister of Mental Health, Community Wellness and Addiction. So that is a little bit concerning, but MAPS uh, and I, as a representative for UMSU and the chair, met with Minister Gimard to discuss the need to include post-secondary students in any mental health initiative, including a roadmap for the province. Uh, and we didn't receive too much of a cooperative response. It was a bit lackluster, but we're so eager to work with the minister to better understand these issues together. Okay. And how did you feel about uh, John Ray's work in the role? I know I, my understanding is that you had a bit of trouble kind of getting to meet with him and things like that. Yeah, we certainly were excited to see him come into the role as Minister of Advanced Education, Skills, and Training. However, throughout the uh, short year that he was in the position, we uh, 
were just more and more dissatisfied with his performance and specifically with his outreach to uh, the various publicly funded post-secondaries in the province. So that's one thing that we're kind of hoping, or that we are hoping will be improved on with the new minister. John Rams, he, he did a good, he performed the role, um, but didn't particularly vocalize or listen to the concerns that we were presenting to him, and we didn't really have the opportunity to present them. So, uh, while it can't be overlooked that the new minister does not have professional experience in the field of advanced education, the most important quality the minister could have is the ability to listen to students, um, the will to understanding the impact of advanced education on individuals within it, whether it be the students, professors, or otherwise, is crucial. So I'll really, uh, us, the math team and the UMSU execs and students will really be benefited by a minister that is able to do that. Right. Do you know, I mean, do you have an idea of what kind of issues they should be concerned with? Right now, one large, uh, with budget season approaching, we're hoping to see an increase in operating grants for publicly funded post-secondary in the province. Uh, and a, we're hoping that there will not be any increases of the tuition, the maximum tuition fee increase percentage. Another thing that's on the minds of many both students and professors and educators in the field is performance-based funding uh, and the post-secondary accountability framework. So that is something that has been in development since the 2020 report of the Auditor General. And there's not yet been specifics released, but there was a consultation session in the summer, and the results were released from the government, and there were four recommendations that were heard from the consultations, and these were consultations with different student unions, uh, university administrators, student groups, faculty associations, and the feedback uh, from the participants. There was four main points, which were assessing performance based on metrics treats education as a business, post-secondary accountability framework should include metrics related to student well-being, tying funding to performance on metrics will make education less accessible and affordable, and student progression and completion and graduate earnings are not appropriate performance metrics. So these are all things that we've also been trying to convey to the provincial government that tying funding to performance is a very dangerous path to go on. So hopefully that will be one thing that's on the top of the minister's mind, and she will be working to address these concerns while still moving forward with the recommendation from the Auditor General to develop an accountability framework for advanced education. So how would UMSU and MAPS kind of help advocate for that? Well, we've been holding meetings throughout the past year uh, and consultation sessions and working uh, at each of our, for the MAPS side, we've been working at each of our respective unions to advocate by uh, in a two-pronged approach to both administrators of the university and to the provincial government. So we've, um, here at AMSU, we've worked closely with President Benaraj to have him signal his uh, disapproval of the performance-based funding system uh, to the provincial government and signal um, that, you know, the university is not on board with it as well as students. We've, we've tried to consult as much as we could uh, and speak with Minister John Reyes when he was in the position to oppose performance-based funding. It's something that we've been vocal about throughout the year. 
on the side of operating grant funding and tuition increases, uh, MAP is holding a rally on February 16th with the Manitoba Legislature at 2 p.m., where we'll be calling on the provincial government to uh, stop cuts to operating grants and to adequately and appropriately fund them so that universities and any post-secondaries that are funded by the province don't have to raise tuition to balance out their budgets. So we're hoping that with action um, around the budget season and around when they're going to see uh, the operating grant amounts coming out soon, we can really get in the minds and get our politicians and policymakers thinking about how students are really feeling about this and what the actual um, implications are in a time, in any time, but especially now when the cost of living is rising and there's an inflation crisis and students are... Um, they're subjected to a lot of different payments, especially when we think about our international student population. Um, and advanced education already has quite a few barriers. So when we can work to eliminate any kind of financial barriers in the means of accessing high-quality advanced post-secondary education, um, yeah, we've been trying to do everything that we can. So rally one thing we did run uh, through NAP also a letter writing campaign the past two weeks we've been visiting our member schools campuses um, and getting students to email or call ministers or send letters with templates that we've provided to them to get some more um, student concerns directly to government representatives so we've been doing action on that front in a variety of ways as well okay uh, do you have any meetings planned with the new minister yet we have uh, sent out a welcome letter and invitation for a meeting to her as of last week. I saw her on Friday. I was at a working in support of equality breakfast, and I ran into the minister and shared a few words with her, and uh, she seemed eager to meet with us, so we're hoping that we'll be able to have her in the MCU office sometime soon. Okay. What would you uh, plan to discuss in this first meeting? So mostly just, I think we would love, uh, of course we bring the concerns mentioned, but one thing that I personally would love to focus on, and I'm sure many of our uh, team members would agree, is that we'd love to build the foundation of laying down a consistent collaborative relationship with the minister and with the province in general. We want to be here to be a resource to the minister, to inform her of how students are feeling, to bring concerns to the appropriate level, which is to the provincial government. So we hope that this uh, this cabinet shuffle will bring a much better working relationship with the minister assigned to the role of advanced education and training. Okay. What do you think is the importance of having, I guess, a, a good person for the role? I mean, you've talked about ideas and qualities they should have. What's the importance of someone having those qualities for the role? It could be said about any ministerial portfolio, but I think that the portfolio of advanced education uh, and skills or advanced education and training is incredibly complex, and it not only understand, uh, requires a deep understanding of education um, and the systems of higher education, but also the bureaucracy that surrounds policy um, and that surrounds anything that goes on within these institutions. And then as long as you understand that, you still have to work to understand the complexities of the barriers that exist to advanced education, especially in Manitoba. And that requires a really deep understanding of the history of not only our province, but our country. 
it requires an understanding of how we can make advanced education accessible uh, for more groups than just cis white men who have uh, access to much financial resources. There have been incredible barriers to advanced education throughout history, and understanding how to open those barriers and to make education accessible for everyone throughout the province uh, is not an easy task. So it does require a deep understanding of what's going on, and that's crucial to being able to pass policies that acknowledges and works to address the concerns of the many people who are impacted by advanced education, whether it be students, university administration, uh, or instructors, professors. Lastly, we have Editor-in-Chief Jill interviewing Manitoba's new Minister of Advanced Education and Training, Sarah Gilmard, about her new role. How are you feeling about your new role? Are you nervous? Are you excited? What? There's always a mixture of emotions when, when you're switching your hats and uh always about getting to know the department and the staff. There's a mixture of excitement. There's an eagerness to to learn more and do a little bit more of a deep dive into this department and how it functions and uh, really do the outreach to the stakeholders. Uh, And what's your history been with the legislature? So uh, I was first uh, appointed into cabinet in 2019 in October, and my first position was as Minister of Conservation and Climate. And then in January of 2022, I was reappointed as the uh, Minister of Mental Health and Community Wellness. And then just most recently, uh, in January of 2023, I came into this role as Minister of Advanced Education and Training. Okay. Do you have any past experience with advanced education? Past experience? I was a student <laughs> many moons ago. <laughs> Uh, do you think that your history with the legislature will help you in your, in your new role at all or like influence your actions in your new role? Yeah, you know, I think that all departments uh, influence one another. It's important to understand how uh, government itself works and the different processes internally. Uh, it's very helpful to understand those processes because it helps me in a ministerial role speak to various uh, organizations or in this uh, instance, the post-secondary institutions, help them to navigate the internal processes at government so that we have better communication and uh, ultimately we reach success together uh, as partners. Okay, uh, and this past year, representatives from our student unions had difficulty meeting with uh, John Reyes, former Minister of Advanced Education. Do you expect that to change at all now that you're Minister? I mean, um, do you kind of expect to listen to and communicate with students directly? I have consistently been meeting with students and student groups. I happen to also be the MLA for Fort Richmond, so that's where the University of Manitoba is situated. And I would say that more so my involvement with uh, student groups has been through 
the U of M student unions. Um, they tend to reach out more frequently to me, and uh, they met with me in my previous role as mental health minister. I have not necessarily had as much an interaction with them. Um, student groups from uh, University of Winnipeg, although there are smaller groups that, uh, for instance, some of the um, campus conservatives for U of W have met with me a couple of times. Um, I tend to to respond pretty quickly to student groups who do want to meet and discuss the issues at hand, uh, and I look forward to continuing those, those conversations. Are you familiar at all with the current issues that students have been coming to the province about, like tuition increases, international student health care, performance-based funding, those kinds of things? Yeah, so I've had a number of conversations, and, and uh, my own daughter's in third year university at University of Manitoba right now, currently. So um, I'm I'm kept up to speed on a number of the pressures, some of those concerns. Uh, I am learning more about uh, the specific concerns of post secondary institutes as I become more familiar with with this uh, role, uh, and I understand that there were a lot of concerns through consultations um, as we're developing a framework uh, of accountability and. I know that that was instigated after the uh, Office of the Auditor General had made recommendations to strengthen accountability. So we're exploring right now, and I'll continue that work of exploring what does accountability look like and what measures would be uh, acceptable uh, to uh, partners in this field uh, so that we can really address those recommendations. Um, I, I know it's early, but do you have any plans right now for post-secondary education and its students? Can we anticipate any changes coming? Anticipating changes. I think there's going to be some good news in the short term, for sure. Uh, some of which I can't necessarily speak about yet, but uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure that there's going to be more details that come out. We're in the process right now of communicating uh, budgets to post-secondary institutes and going over some of the details of what that looks like uh, for, for each uh, organization. Uh, so those, there'll be some exciting uh, new developments in that realm. Um, I do look forward to continued discussions on us focusing on what the labor needs are within the province. And I know uh, U of M and uh, other universities and post-secondary institutes, including MITT and ACC, as well as um, uh, Red River, uh, they've all done amazing work in responding to labor needs and, and uh, developing programming uh, that can actually train Manitobans and those coming to study here uh, for the market needs. So I, I'm excited to learn more about that and, and really get uh, get into those discussions. And what role, I guess, does the minister play? Like, what 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 are your responsibilities? So any minister's responsibilities are to understand the uh, services which they are responsible for overseeing and funding, and that will be a role that I will have to play as understanding uh, the the different uh, organizations and services that are, are um, provided through my department and then helping to manage the expectations and outcomes. Um, and that would be done in partnership with the leadership at the post-secondary institutes. Uh, we're also in charge of apprenticeship Manitoba as well. And I know there's been a lot of work done in that realm. And I look forward to uh, understanding a little bit more about that role and, and some of that involvement. Sort of a silly question, but... Uh... Is the issue of advanced education important to you? Absolutely. I think it's important to, to everyone. The, the post-secondary institutes really uh, have done a lot of work to uh, encourage uh, not only young adults, but, but even mature adults, that uh, pursuing education at any stage in life uh, will only benefit you. And I think that there's a lot of uh, 
anxiety and hesitation that happens right near the end of high school. I, I can remember my own sense of, of, I'm not sure what direction I should take, but I knew that education was important for the next step. So I think that that's the key to, to a lot of uh, issues that we are dealing with in society. And it's not just, uh, you know, young students who are entering from after high school, but it's also adults who are um, needing to feel welcomed back into that education realm so that they can uh, increase their skill set. Just a reminder that if you ever have any suggestions or feedback for people who you'd like to see on the podcast, if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you want to send in any of your poetry, short stories, any of those types of things, please email me at audio at themanitoban.com. You can find Tobin Talks Thursdays at 1130 on 101.5 FM radio, which is UMFM radio. And you can listen to us anytime on all of your podcast streaming services, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's it for today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Tobin Talks.